As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. You are listening to Android's Dungeon, a show about games, movies, music, and whatever we saw as we were walking into the studio that day that may have set me off. Uh, the only thing I'm seeing walking in the studio is uh, my in the interior of my house, because the studio is still closed, unfortunately, which is why you're listening to some inferior sound quality, which is not my fault. I'm doing my best here, folks. I got a better mic off of uh, the Zon and uh, a stand and all the rest of that stuff, so it looks pretty professional, uh, but you can spend way more money on microphones than I did because, frankly, I'm not paying that much for a mic, uh, especially not one that... Uh, you know, it's one, it's one of those things that when you're spending a lot of money on something, you want to make sure that you're spending it properly. And you can only do so many review, or check out so many reviews online and best of lists without, uh, before like driving yourself crazy. And uh, you just find something that's reasonably inexpensive. looks like it does the trick. There were a couple of people who did some nice videos about it, which sounded pretty nice to me. So I picked it up and uh, I'm using a, a, a Fifine, F-I-F-I-N-E, uh, USB mic. The fact that I'm saying USB mic is probably going to cause some pain to a lot of people in the first place. But frankly, I'm not buying a phantom power setup for that stuff. You know, save it for the studio, which will hopefully be open soon and we can get back to hearing, you know, studio quality Android's Dungeon, which is, I'd say, a, a step up, if not, <laughs> if only a marginal step up than uh, what it is now. But uh, back on topic, like I was saying, Android's Dungeon show about movies, music, and mostly games. Um, this is pandemic edition. Uh, I, I'd say if we're paying, playing plan, pandemic right now, uh, we are playing a game of pandemic that, um, we, we've mostly, you know, we've, we've, we've cured the disease. Uh, it's not eradicated and we're just kind of running at the deck, except the deck doesn't seem to end. It, it's an infinite deck. And uh, we're sitting here trying to figure out a vaccine, but now we've moved into the economic euro side of it where different pharmaceutical companies are trying to rush to vaccines. And uh, all I'm hoping is that whatever that comes out, uh, whatever vaccine I end up uh, being forced by the government to inject into my veins, it's uh, at the bare minimum, I want the side effects to be something really wacky and interesting. And I don't want to just get some sort of degenerative illness when I'm uh, in my 60s, God forbid. Um Game-wise, this is a solo edition of the show, so I'm going to do my best here to try to carry things forward, but it's going to be a little more musical-heavy. And because we're entering the spookiest season of the year, Christmas... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we, I, I've got a, a little more, a little darker line with music, and dedicated listeners of the show will know that uh, usually the musical mm, leanings of uh, the show are slightly more on the darker side, like... Uh, Maybe Robert Smith would be sitting there nodding along, kind of going, yeah, oh, this is pretty good. I can't do a Robert Smith accent. He's totally incomprehensible, in my opinion. Uh, great music. Love the cure. So let's get into it. What have you been playing recently, Jack? Well, thank you, Jack. I've been playing a couple of things. 
most of which are computer games because uh, I've been kind of up and about and haven't had too much time to sit down and do some board gaming, especially with all the case counts rising and people freaking out about that. So I've had to had to be careful, a little more careful than normal, I'd say. Um, so it's it's been a, a kind of reversion to uh, cozy computer gaming uh, experiences. So I've got a couple of stuff that I've been playing recently. And unfortunately, I'm going to admit that my uh, it feels like my computer game ADD is in full force right now because I start something and I just can't be bothered to finish them. And I don't know whether that's just because I get bored or whether the game isn't that good and there's this initial sort of honeymoon period that takes a little bit for me for it to fade out. But uh, right now, not a whole lot to say. Uh, as far as like start to finish, but let's go through it. So the most recent one is a game called Elderborn, which uh, I don't know the publisher. Uh, they're a small, small studio. I think they're, they released a game previously that was like so-so. Um, this one I'd only heard about from a YouTuber, uh, G-Man Lives, G-G-Man. And he's got kind of a weird reputation online. Some people despise him. Some people are indifferent or like him. I'm in the middle. I think he's okay. I think there was a, some controversy with him a few years ago where he got busted uh, doing videos that he was paid to do, but he didn't disclose that uh, he had been paid to talk about a game. And uh, it's one of the scummiest things you can do as far as uh, YouTube videos go or any sort of podcasting or anything like that. Um, but I haven't heard too much about that since. So it could have been fake, could have been overblown, or it could be totally true and either people have forgiven him or it's been memory hole. But either way, uh, so Elderborn, uh, I saw a video about it from this guy, and he was hyping it up a lot, and the videos look pretty good, and the premise is it's a first-person action game uh, focusing on melee combat with uh, Souls-style uh, difficulty and, um, let's say, checkpoints and uh, sort of experience, and it's got this sort of uh, barbarian... Uh, hyper or bright palettes uh, style going on and you pick a, a male or female barbarian that's uh, raiding a, an abandoned city and you have to go through and murder your way through these levels and uh, your enemies are mostly the undead from at the start which is where I am and uh, you get all these various sort of like traditional, I guess, traditional in quotation marks, weapons. You get a giant hammer, you get some sickles, you get a spear, you get a sword. They all have their pros and cons. Some can parry, some cannot. Some can block, some cannot. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to go through and you're supposed to uh, make your way through, kill enough stuff, pick up some experience from them, make your way to checkpoints, which are like bonfires in this case, fountains, and you spend your experience on upgrades for your character. The upgrade tree is very limited, where with Dark Souls is almost too much, in the sense that uh, if you had no idea what you're doing, it might be very confusing to you, because you had strength, endurance, dexterity, um, intelligence, faith, uh, luck, so a bunch of other stats that seem kind of like, I don't understand what these are. Um, in this one, you just get strength, <laughs> dexterity, and uh, endurance, I think, and they're all very basic. Strength makes you hit harder. Dexterity makes you hit faster and move faster. And uh, endurance uh, increases your health pool, and I think might provide damage mitigation. I'm not totally sure. It could just be pure health. Um. Anyway, as you can tell from this, I'm not super excited about it. And I've been playing it for a bit, 
And I think my issue is that the game is, it feels amateurish. And it is an independent studio, so you're trying to be kind to them because it's a small group of people making this. But the nobody has successfully captured the Souls formula outside of FromSoft. And uh, I don't even want to say Miyazaki necessarily, but the, the studio itself, nobody has come close. Uh, you had the uh, was it Lords of the Fallen and... Um, uh, I forget the, the 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 futuristic robot version of that from that Polish company. That's probably come the closest. Then there was Ashes, which is a uh, was another attempt at this by I don't know if they're an independent company, but it was published by Annapurna Interactive. Uh, and they all do some things better than others. And uh, the better of these games have the the open world that feels kind of neat to explore with neat environmental storytelling. Um, which is what the uh, the Polish guys have done the best of the bunch. Um, and then they have to figure out the combat, which is typically very punishing but rewarding at the same time. So if you get the timing of attacks down and parries and blocks, and if you figure it out, you can become godlike, and it really feels like a power fantasy. Um, then on the other hand, you have stuff like Code Vein and... Um, uh, remnant from the ashes and some of these other souls-esque games and th there's no environment there's no storytelling the environments are bland and repetitive um it, it feels grindy and it, it's and the difficulty it doesn't feel fair in the sense that in, in general nothing feels like it's it's tight which is the uh what the best Souls games do, or when they're at their best, the games just feel tight. The controls are responsive. When you lose, you feel like it was your fault. And uh, so going back to Elderborn, the the combat feels too loose. Enemies seem to clip through at times. Um, there's this neat thing when you parry, time slows down, and you're allowed to get some bonus damage in and possibly cut off some heads. But while you're doing this, other enemies are still attacking you. So... It, it's almost like there's a very poor incentive at times to even parry guys because you're just going to get smacked by someone else versus, let's say, in Dark Souls, when you parry somebody successfully and you land an attack, you're immune to all sort of damage while you go through the animation of stabbing somebody in the back or uh, shoving a sword in their stomach and uh, drop them down. It would be like in Souls if you landed a parry and you could still get killed while you're delivering the parry itself. It, it doesn't work that way. So in this game, I think there's a big flaw with that because it really does reward you for um, properly timing stuff like this, and it almost makes blocking more superior, uh, because you've got this really cool kick, which lets you knock people off ledges and stuff, kind of like in uh, Heroes of Might and Magic, uh, Dark Messiah. But so far, it, it's just a perfectly fine at best game, and at worst, it's a clumsy, amateurish uh ugly because the the colors are all over the place too bright for my taste but i guess that cartoonish style of really appeals to a bunch of people so it also i don't know it's just not as good as i was expecting to be from this raving review from uh, this youtuber and uh, it's so raving that it almost makes me go hmm, did am i playing a different game or did was there some money moving around here but uh, i picked up for 10 bucks so it's tough to get too upset about that one so anyway that's elderborn grabbed it on steam I paid about 10 bucks for it. So far, I'd say I, I wish I'd paid 5 bucks for it. <laughs> but it's not the worst game I've played by far. So anyway, next up, 
I'll talk about Wasteland 3. So Wasteland is a series of games that was preceded Fallout. And uh, I believe they were published by Interplay back in the day. I think in the 80s, maybe? Uh, late 80s, early 90s. And uh, they're very ugly games by today's standards. It's a top-down, sort of uh, Ultima-esque game where you have this uh, post-apocalyptic United States and you're running around as the these rangers. And uh, you've got a party and you move through these areas. You get in the random fights, you move the towns, solve some mysteries, grab stuff, try to survive. So it was a very proto open world RPG uh, set in a post-apocalyptic world, which was why the, the theme really carried a lot of this game. So there was Wasteland, and there was a sequel to Wasteland called, I think, Fountain of Dreams. And then uh, the series was... Whoosh, nobody had heard about it. And then Fallout came out and I think, 92, 93. Uh, and Fallout was a real sequel to Wasteland in a sense, but it's almost a remake. And Fallout 1 changed the game. Fallout 1 is one of the best games, best RPGs ever made, best CRPGs at least. Um, and then Fallout 2 came out, which was my personal preference because I played more of that one. Some people still say Fallout 1's better. I prefer 2. Um, and then after 2, the series went into a serious decline. And you got something like Fallout Tactics, which some people swear by. Uh, I didn't love it, but it was a neat looking game at least. Um, and then there was supposed to be the abandoned Fallout 3 before Fallout 3, as we all know it, called Van Buren. At least that was the code name. And uh, you see some screenshots of what could have been, and you go, oh, we were so close. So close to getting something. You know, that it's that uh, meme from uh, a piece of garbage, uh, Rogue One. We were this close to greatness. So, anyway, uh, it was around, I don't know if it was... It was after New Vegas, I think. I, I mix up my timelines. But anyway, uh, Brian Fargo, I believe, the guy who started the series, went back to Wasteland and said, okay, we're starting again. And I think it was kickstarted. And we're going to make a new Wasteland game. And uh, Wasteland 2, was it? Like the actual sequel? Uh, I could be wrong. And uh, it made a lot of money and it came out. And I played it for a bit. And I was like, Ugh. Not for me. It did that thing with combat that was like uh, Divinity, Original Sin, the first one. And it has this weird sort of queuing system. And it just didn't click with me. And I didn't like what I was playing. So I kind of dropped it almost immediately. I'll, I'm more than happy to admit I didn't give it a chance. Wasteland 3, on the other hand, has changed the combat system. Something I like more. But I can argue, it's arguably um, a little dumbed down. And it's a mix between XCOM and uh, Fallout. In the sense that you have... A limited amount of movement you can hit every... And it shows it kind of like... Uh, sorry, XCOM. Um, uh, Dragonfall. Uh, uh, Shadowrun, excuse me. In which it's it's grid-based. There's cover. And you have action points you can spend every turn. I believe uh, Shadowrun just had... You can do two things every turn. Attack and move. This one has action points. So different things take more actions. And you can do more things on your turn if you've got the points for it. And you can build characters around it. Um, and it takes place in Colorado in the winter, and it's very cold, and you have the usual manner of post-apocalyptic shenanigans occur. Uh, so I'm not going to go into too much in the story. It seems okay to me, but the overall, what bugs me is it doesn't feel tight. And by tight, I mean you get these characters in your party, and the you can make a whole bunch yourself, and uh, or you can make some yourself, which is what I did. So you have your player character and maybe a secondary one. But then you can 
hire these other people to be in your party. And what the game has is very strongly focused on is passing checks. So it's like, can you pass a lockpick check? Can you pass a science check? Can you pass a mechanics check? And at the end of the day, a lot of these just boil down to arbitrary tests of is this number higher or lower than uh, this thing right here? And the problem with this is that you end up having characters in your party that just specialize entirely in a couple of things. And you bump up numbers when they level up in combat stuff. So more action points is always superior uh, because doing more things is way better than not being able to do more things, obviously. And you have a bunch of secondary stats that you can decide to just dump into. So what happens is you end up with characters that you have one character that's going to handle all your lock picking. You have one character that's going to handle all your bartering. You have one character that's going to handle all your science stuff and so on. And I forget the what your party can cap out at, but uh, it's either four or five. And it's not enough to perfectly have one person who's good at everything, but it, it feels enough that it's like... It, that it, it's anyone is really they just appear the person in your party almost exists only to be a tool to fix things or to um, do one specific task and it, it doesn't feel as rewarding as having a smaller party that makes really forces you to be a like are you going to be stealthy are you going to be a lockpick guy or are you going to be someone who breaks everything down are you going to be somebody who's good at fixing robots? Are you going to be someone who's good at hacking? And I guess it it rewards too much cross-specialization and kind of takes away from earning the these points you've dumped into things. So in general, I find that Wasteland 3 is a very so-so game that has some decent production values. Atrocious load times is what I've noticed. Enough that makes you really wonder... Uh, like makes you really double check like going into different areas because you feel like you're staring at a load screen for an inordinate amount of time and i think this is mostly i don't know if it's in unity as well which is what uh, elderborn was but either way uh wasteland 3's load times are kind of obnoxious all things considered so on that note we're going to take a musical break we'll be back in a second stay tuned
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Tree. Well, unofficially Tree off of Selected Ambient Works 2, Volume 2, from the one and only Aphex Twin. can't remember if I've played that before on the show or not, but um, it's I think it's my favorite track off of the that uh, double album by Richard D. James, um, w- described as... Uh, dropping acid in a power station, I think. Um, one of the descriptions for uh, Select Ambient Works 2 is fantastic album. Arguably my favorite uh, ambient album of all time uh, that just gets better and better every time you listen to it and is held up like wine, like a finely aged wine that never runs out uh, that you can always dip into whenever you want some cozy listening. But uh, tremendous stuff. Tree also kind of sticks with me because there is a track in uh, Silent Hill 2 uh, that I really think of um, after you get out of the hospital and you're kind of running to the historical society uh, at nighttime that I'm almost 100% sure that Akira Yamaoka just shamelessly stole <laughs> from Aphex Twin because it sounds identical. Uh but either way, they're both great, and Silent Hill 2 is fantastic. Uh, so, before we went to a musical break, uh, talking about some games, we talked about Elderborn and Wasteland, as far as games that are underwhelming. Uh, one of which is an action RPG, the other is an RPG with action elements, uh, but both just kind of feel like they're, they're not totally there. Like, games that could be better if more time and money was spent, you know, tightening things up. On the other hand of this experience is a game that came out recently by the same people who did Bastion uh, called Hades. And Hades is probably the best new game I've played recently. Uh, I picked it up for, I think, what was it being sold for on Steam? Like 20 bucks? $20 for this is incredible. Hades is an action uh, action game with RPG elements and rogue-like or rogue-lite uh, gameplay. And it's set in the, uh, the Greek mythology world. And you take on the role of Hades' son trying to escape the underworld to get out and finally see uh, his aunts and uncles on Olympus. And uh, his daddy is not thrilled with him doing this and is... Uh, throwing all his, you know, undead minions at him to stop him. And uh, what you do is you start every encounter by breaking out of your, basically your bedroom, uh, grabbing a weapon from the shelf, and hopping into the labyrinth. And you run through the labyrinth, and you fight a bunch of different monsters kind of themed around the floors in a 3D isometric uh perspective and you go from floor to floor and as you hit exit sometimes you get a choice and there's a little symbol above it indicating what the reward is for finishing that floor and these rewards range from gifts or boons of the gods which act as powerful abilities that may be passive may be active um, or upgrades to these abilities or money or Uh, the experience points essentially used to upgrade your character permanently, which are called uh, darkness and money to buy more stuff. And there's special encounters, a lot of different things. 
and the game is huge, absolutely huge. Not necessarily in length, but in content. Uh, so as soon as you start it, things seem pretty basic, but they open up as you go through. Uh, and it, it kind of happens in a fairly organic way that as you make it further and further, more things sort of un become unlocked. And suddenly your, your mind starts to boggle at the sort of time you could sink into 100%ing this game because... It, it, and I, this isn't intended to be an insult, but there is a grindy sort of mobile game element to it in the sense that you see things that cost a fortune and you think, how the hell am I ever going to be able to afford this stuff? Especially when you're only picking up a few of them every run, let's say. But you start to get a better feeling for it as you get better and better and get higher and higher in the or into the dungeon because you're going up, not down. That you start to get more stuff every run and eventually you start to feel like, oh, this is all, I can get these numbers, I can hit this stuff. And a lot of the stuff's cosmetic as well, but some of the other things are a little more difficult to find and start to kind of wear on you a bit. But in general, Hades is a tremendous experience that is super fun, extremely polished, and has an absurd amount of voice acting in it. And I say that because you run around and you're interacting with all these characters with this incredible art style as well, but there's this top-notch voice acting with line after line of dialogue that you think, my God, how many lines did these people record for this game? Because it seems like every time you run into them, there's a fresh line of dialogue for people to give you, and it's all voiced. So little things like this, and I say little, but what I'm saying is it's often overlooked, uh, go a long way towards making this feel like an extremely polished and um, and put together experience. Now that said, I do have some problems with it in so far as that some of the encounters get atrociously difficult at times and can be very tricky if you don't have a good build. I'm not trying to say I'm, at, I'm the best at this game, but there it does sometimes feel as though you're punished for having certain weapons or doing certain things and not others. And uh, some of the weapons feel a little underwhelming. Um, I really dislike the fists, for example, which are just basically super, like, uh, you know, those rock'em sock'em <laughs> things you can put on your, your hands and whack enemies. Um, and Some of the upgrades are just no-brainers, but another thing the game encourages you to do is pick different things because if you go outside your wheelhouse enough times and find and pick stuff that you haven't picked before you are rewarded for it. So it kind of makes you go, well, do you really want to pick this safe good thing or do you want to, you know, try something a little weirder, try something a little different? So in that sense, uh, it's a self-imposed challenge, but at the same time, the game is kind of quietly imposing it on you. Um, and some of the enemies are just kind of annoying to fight at times. Um, I think the... Uh, I think the, the Theseus and um, Minotaur boss is obnoxious if you don't have the right build because Theseus can be super annoying because he's got a shield. And that's another thing about this game is that I haven't found a way around it yet, but every run you have to fight every boss all over again. And the early bosses, you start to, you're, they're, you're, they're a joke. You, just, you can steamroll them and you laugh and you're like, I'm never dying to this guy again. The second boss... Typically, you won't die to the third boss, which is Theseus and the Minotaur. You start to kind of bang your head against the wall and go, oh, these guys are so tedious. And unless you have the exact, I'd say, a, a very good build or a lot of patience, the boss can feel very tedious. 
and things can get very bullet helly at time as well and that kind of like can get a little confusing because there's all can be a lot of stuff happening on the screen at once and it can get a little button mashy uh, especially if you're trying to set up stuff properly and you've got explosions happening all around you so overall hades is an incredible game with tons of content and for the price you you can do so so much worse so if you're looking for a great game to really spend uh, a bit of time on but casually you can just like pick up a run here and there i warn you it's addictive and it's it's definitely got the one more run one more try appeal that a lot of good games of that type have like binding of isaac um rogue legacy and so on and i think the sequel to rogue legacy is coming out soon which i hope they fix what i dislike in the first one which is a repetitive level structure but uh, anyway we'll see so let's take a music break we'll be back in a second stay tuned
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Lantern Marsh by Brian Eno, the indomitable Brian Eno from Ambient 4 on land, which I think is my second favorite <laughs> ambient album of all time. Uh, I classified as dark ambient, that track especially. Um, not all this stuff off of Ambient 4 is dark ambient. There's some very sort of like melancholic tracks that uh, just take me to another world which is what, uh, in my opinion, the best uh, ambient music typically does, like uh, the Aphex Twin stuff, uh, is a little more EDM-y, a little more abstract. But uh, the Brian Eno ambient series, especially Ambient 4, is every track just, you're in another world, another place, time, and perfectly conjures up feelings uh, that will probably be unique to everyone, but I'm sure we can all kind of agree on certain things based on title tracks. So Lantern Marsh, to me, is this incredible... Uh, it reminds me of magic cards, to be honest, like uh, certain styles of swamp cards or something. But the idea of a, a marsh or a swamp that is in the twilight or it's a very dark, gloomy, misty day with old-style lanterns attached to trees or stuck into the mud on hooks uh, glowing and guiding you down these uh, through like pathways or boardwalks or um, maybe your your little uh, skiff or boat as you, you use the stick to prod and push your way through a uh, sound of maybe just trees creaking and crows kind of <laughs> flying as you disturb them uh, Yes, <laughs> I love I love this track and I love this album, and it's appropriate. It's Halloween coming up, and unfortunately, I think this is going to be the Halloween that people have to you know put a pin in stuff because uh, I think for myself and many others, Halloween is one of the greatest times of the year for having parties, being around other people, and uh, just enjoying the end of the season because to me Halloween represents the true end of summer in that it's typically going to be cold and rainy and it's it's going to be too ugly to be outside soon too cold and uh, nasty and uh, the snow will be on the ground soon and you got to cherish it what Halloween is is looking at the beauty of nature as it shifts into that second phase of the year uh, or third phase if you consider uh, autumn it and uh, and just enjoying the the warmth that comes from being around friends and family and uh, you know and being a little spooked the getting scared enjoying the darkness and as, as the light dims uh, as time moves on throughout the day and the year anyway I think most people are not going to be doing too much with Halloween this year, and I'm pretty sure most of the parties have been canceled, or probably should be. And uh, I'd be surprised if we had any kids come door to door, even though Kayla picked up some candy to hand out. Uh, I have a feeling that candy is mostly going to become, you know, fodder for us, <laughs> which I have no problem with, even though it's the Nestle stuff, and I much prefer the Mars bars and Snickers and Wunderbars and the rest of that stuff. So, anyway, Brian Eno, Ambient 4 on Land, Lantern Marsh. Um, so, before the musical break, we were talking about 
about uh, Hades and what a fantastic game it is. Uh, the last game I'm going to mention uh, before the show, uh, we tie it up with another song and end the show, is a game that I've had my eye on for a while and I just uh, picked up on sale a little while ago, and that is Vaporum, or Vaporum. And Vaporum, or Vaporum, is a first-person dungeon crawler in the vein of um, Eye of Beholder, Dungeon Master, or more popularly, Legend of Grimrock. And I've talked about Legend of Grimrock on the show enough times. One and two are some of the greatest games... The, uh, probably made recently in terms of uh, the RPG genre. Perfect, nearly perfect uh, dungeon crawling experiences. Um, If you have not picked them up, what's wrong with you? Pick them up right now. You can pick them up so cheap. And I would would do bad things to get a Legend of Grimrock 3. There are some mods for 2, and you can basically make your own Legend of Grimrock 3 if you wanted to. But a second one would just be brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I think I saw something that the devs were making another game. Uh, it's been a long time since 2 came out, so I, I, I'm just going to try to forget about it. And when it comes out, it comes out, which is what I'm doing with Cyberpunk, which comes out in about a month. And if you don't know anything about Cyberpunk, all you need to know is the Witcher devs making a cy- first-person uh, uh, Cyberpunk action RPG. If it sucks, it's going to... It's gonna ruin. It's gonna ruin a lot of people's days, and uh, mine included. I have not pre-ordered it, so I can I can play it by ear. But uh, anyway, the Porum is in the same like, same thing as Legend of Grimrock, except you don't have a party. It's just you, and it's got this uh, steampunk style to it. And I was looking forward to it, but so far I find it unfortunately to be clumsy, and it feels like a slower, more difficult version of Grimrock in ways that shouldn't be. And it's missing a lot of what made Grimrock so good, especially Grimrock 2, which is a variety in locations and a fairness to it. And my issue is that uh, what Grimrock did, and maybe this is more of a stylistic choice, is that you can be, you're very agile. Moving felt pretty quick. And attacking didn't stop you it was up to you if you wanted to make sure your attack landed you needed to be in the right place and if you wanted to avoid enemies you had to be able to dodge properly using the keyboard and the grid and whatever Vaporum feels a lot slower and it feels like a lot of the attacks are unfair and by unfair I mean they do area damage so if you're anywhere near the enemy you're going to take damage and that to me is almost unforgivable in a game like Vaporum where it's slower and especially with a lot of tight corridors around it. And it bugs me that uh, there are many times where I feel like damage is unavoidable. And with Grimrock, at least, there are plenty of opportunities to heal yourself, and there were these crystals hovering around to bring back your dead party members and to bring you back to full life and mana. So far in Vaporum, I have not really come across any of that stuff off the top of my head. And health packs are kind of a little sparse, and you don't want to be spamming them uh, willy-nilly, and you take damage like nobody's business. So unless I've just got the wrong build, which is, you know, perfectly, uh, you know, I might have done this, the game feels a little too difficult in a way that is not a good difficulty, and that's what I call artificial difficulty when 
things just are difficult for the sake of difficult and they don't feel balanced around that. So I'd say it was a, a disappointment in this sense and I didn't pay a lot for it so I'm not too mad about that and maybe I'll come back to it in the future or maybe I need to do some research and get some spoilers on what the right type of build is. But in general, I find I was looking forward to Vaporum because I like the idea of not having a party to worry about uh, because in case you haven't figured out, I don't like big parties outside of Halloween. Uh, I like being able to just focus on one or two characters that are good at what they do, um, which is why Divinity Original Sin 2 had that lone wolf mod, uh, mode, which was incredible. Um, and I need to go back to that game, to be honest. Um, but in general, I was just disappointed by it, and I found it to be a slightly weak game that uh, I, I wish it had been baked a bit longer. And the enemies are, there's not as much variety in the enemies. Like, there's only so many times you can see, like, a floating sort of reject from Bioshock uh, before you kind of get a little bored by them. And the status effects are crazy. There's so many status effects. Fire, poison, uh, lightning, I think. Um, it, it just starts to grind on you a bit. And it makes you want to cheese the game rather than just play it properly. So I think the main flaws, if I had to reiterate, are you move too slow. Uh, there's delay when you attack. So when you attack, you have to be standing still. And in a game where enemies attack so quickly and with very little indication, and there's also such a wide area effect on a lot of their attacks, it, it seems a little unforgivable with tight corridors as well. So overall, disappointed in Vaporum. Uh, I'm sure I'll get to it again in the future, but for now it's definitely going on the back burner. And uh, frankly, there's really not a lot to play at the moment. It's, it feels quiet. It feels dead right now. And... Uh, so going back to Doom mods like Abyssum, which has its own problems, but it's free and uh, you can appreciate the design and uh, ideas that have gone into this passion project. So uh, musical break and we'll be back for the end of the show. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Heels by Disaster Piece from the It Follows soundtrack. Keeping with the Halloween theme, It Follows, one of the greatest horror movies released in recent times. If you haven't seen it, you're missing out. Um, the soundtrack's brilliant. Uh, for some reason, Nicholas Wynn and Raffin produced <laughs> the soundtrack. <laughs> Because the copy I've got has his name written in big font as if he, you know, made it himself, which is, uh, I don't know if that was a marketing decision or it's just his ego. I love Refn, but uh, it's a strange thing to see. Uh, but the movie itself, absolutely brilliant. Um, and just holds up like nobody's business. And uh, I'm trying to see more horror films. I think The Color Out of Space is on my list right now to see. I can't wait to see that. Uh, but I was telling somebody else, speaking of Nicolas Cage, about how good Mandy is, and I talked about it on the show. It's not a horror film, but it's a great Halloween thriller, so if you're looking for some great movies to watch, give Mandy a look, and it follows. Mandy might scare some people, not in the sense that uh, <laughs> like it follows does, um, but uh, Mandy is just absolutely brilliant, and the type of movie I wish I could make. So if you ever get, And the same with It Follows, to be honest, so... Two of the Androids Dungeon recommended choices for this year. So we're going to finish off the show quickly and uh, let you move onwards with your day. Uh, it's probably raining outside. might be a little chilly, so stay warm, stay cool, or uh, not stay dry, excuse me, and stay safe in these weird times. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a good day. Bye.